has trouble with the snap, and the ball is free. Chucky Keaton, nothing but green inside the five. And he scores on the last play of the game. That is so clutch. Cut for the touchdown. Cut for the touchdown. Cut for the touchdown. I'm a man. I'm 40. Got him. No, they didn't. Oh, my gracious. How about that? Personal file. 69. Offense. He was giving them the business. There goes Davis. Oh, my God. Davis is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. All abandoned out on the field. And they run through our ass like shit through a tin horn, man, and we could not stop them. Oh, what a catch. I have an important question. Go ahead. What is Brittany doing with her life? The kick is blocked. Appalachian State has stunned the college football world. One of the greatest upsets in sports history. Welcome to Overcompetitive Bystanders. We are going to have a season preview right now for the Utah State Aggies. We're honored to have Brian Phillips, who is commonly known as Aggie22, on the show to talk about Utah State. I would argue he is the most trusted insider for Utah State news that there is. There aren't really many people that I would I would trust more than Brian Phillips. So here is my interview with Brian. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. We're going to talk about the best team in America, the Utah State Aggies. So the first thing, and I already know the answer. Well, I have my answer to it, but I want to know. Brian, what is the best part of being an Aggie? The opportunity to see major college football and basketball up close and personal. You don't get lost in stadiums that seat 100,000 people. Okay. So you get an opportunity to see things from a viewpoint that most fans would not get an opportunity to see. Okay. It's that small town feel that is really appealing. And and I think that's what draws in a lot of our student athletes and our students in general is Mm -hmm. you don't get lost in a a huge city, a a metropolitan area. It's, it's the small town feel, the, the hometown fandom that just really appeals to sports fans Mm -hmm. in general. Yeah. I, I think I'm right there with you. I think the way that Logan in general, Cash Valley, you know, Utah State fans are, it, it feels like such a tight community. It's such a, such a great community. And I totally agree. It's everyone's so close. I mean, the amount of times that as a student, I was able to be on the 50 yard line right behind the bench, hear the coaches, hear the players, hear what the other players are saying yell some stuff out, know that other players are hearing me. It's pretty amazing. It's addictive. I, I miss it. Pretty, pretty great. So what's your favorite Aggie tradition? Uh, probably the Scotsman, to be okay. honest. It, it's fun. It gets the crowd involved. Young and old can do it. I mean, my we, we have a six-year-old right now, but he's been doing it for years. Mm-hmm. You know, my wife coming in wasn't necessarily a sports fan. She's an Aggie fan now. Good. She enjoys it every time it plays. Cool. Everybody stands. I I mean, it it really gets everybody going. It's fan-friendly. It's interactive. 
So for the fans that don't know what the Scotsman is, what is the Scotsman? It's like a second, a secondary school song or fight song. The words are pretty simple. The verses repeat themselves and it's, it's just hand movement and clapping and it's a good time. It's great. One of my favorite stories about the Scotsman is, is also one of my favorite stories to make fun of BYU because we <laughs> love doing that was so when I was, when I was a Mormon missionary, my companion actually is currently playing football for BYU. He's currently on their 2D. And that night, BYU was playing Utah State. The year was 2014. So for Aggie fans and BYU fans, automatically, we know how that game went. (laughs) (laughs) But we were missionaries. We didn't know what was going on. We were serving in, in Ecuador. And so we were pretty clueless. And so his family kept him pretty updated. And so we both knew going into it that BYU was heavily favored. But I still had to give him a hard time. And so in our apartment, there were six of us, me and him. And then the other four people in our apartment were all Latin American. And so they didn't care about BYU. They didn't care about football or anything. Well, not this <laughs> type of football. Right. And so I, that night, gathered those four up. And I taught them the Scotsman. And then the <laughs> five of us went in as my companion was laying down, getting ready for bed. And we're all screaming the Scotsman as best as they knew it and doing the arm motions and cheering. And, and I got them all yelling, that's a touchdown, Utah State, Aggie touchdown, Aggie touchdown. And we were just having a blast. And then that a- afterwards, you know, he had, he had good fun with it. Afterwards, he said, well, you know how the game, how the game probably went, right? And I was like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I know, I know BYU is a, like a three touchdown favorite, but you don't know. You don't know what happened. We'll, we'll find out. And so we found out that Monday. And the first thing he says when, when we get our emails from our families is, oh, no. Utah State <laughs> won. How? How did they win? He starts going through all of it. So my favorite memory was just teaching just this group of Latin American elders how to do this funny little arm dance. They didn't know what they were saying. They didn't know what they were doing. But they loved it. And so I, I still feel like the anytime I do the Scotsman, I think of that that time in 2014, teasing that BYU now player and getting that win. It was pretty great. Yeah. That's a good story. Yeah. Good story. So speaking of stories, what's what's some of the best? Well, what's what's the most important storylines for Utah State this year? How motivated the coaching staff is towards uh, putting together a good ba- game plan and really how well the transfers that we're kind of leaning rather heavily on in some spots mm-hmm. pan out, I, I would say. that That's going to be a pretty big storyline. Okay. So with the transfers, what are some of the, the biggest additions Utah State's gotten? Oh, by, by far and away, when we're talking transfers, the first guy is going to be inside linebacker Justin Rice. Yeah. Adding him is just invaluable in the fact that it's extremely rare to be able to go into the transfer portal and get a draft pick. Yeah. Ne- ne- next uh, April of 2022, Justin Rice will have his name called mm-hmm. in, in one of the rounds of the NFL draft. Mm-hmm. 
before he transferred to Arkansas State, he last summer he was projected to be the preseason, or he was picked to be the preseason Mountain West Player of the Year. So he's familiar with the surroundings. He's familiar with the teams. Not a whole heck of a lot has changed as far as a lot of the schools and schemes and stuff have gone in the last 12 months. Mm-hmm. He, he's just a real disruptive force on the defensive side of the ball. He's he's plays hard. He's physical. He flies around everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, he's always flocking to the ball and making plays. Um, if a if a ball carrier's stood up, he's he's poking at the ball and trying to force a fumble. He, he, he's just he's athletic. He he's physical. He's a he's a playmaker. I mean, he, he's just got a multitude of abilities that are really going to appeal to NFL scouts over the next six months. And it it just makes him a huge, huge piece of our defensive puzzle. Good. Yeah, because it feels like over the past few years, well, as long as I can remember, we've always had kind of a – been at our best when we had a middle linebacker that was kind of the backbone of the defense. Yes. Um, you know, your, your vigil brothers, your fackrels, your Bobby Wagner, your, your Woodwards. Um, so, so it sounds like rice is going to fit right in there perfectly then. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Oh, that's great. That's awesome to hear. So apart from him, who are some of the, the biggest additions that we're bringing on? If we're talking additions, I'll start since I just raved about Justin rice. <laughs> I'll start on the offensive side of the ball. Um, I believe that at right guard, Quasi White, a transfer from TCU, will start okay. for us in 10 days, 11 days. He, he was a multi-year starter at TCU, so he's got big game experience. Uh-huh. Uh, he, he Being from the Big 12, he's played it with an upper tier level of talent, you know, P, P5 competition. Okay. He, he's big, he's physical, he's thick, he's really strong in the lower body. Good. He's he's a major addition to the offensive line. That's awesome. That is great to hear. Who do you think he'll be protecting? Is it gonna be is it gonna be Logan Bonner or is Peasley gonna be winning out the job? Oh boy, that is the million dollar question. <laughs> it is. Typically, in years past, I would have had the opportunity to be able to see more than four hours worth of controlled scrimmages and be able to give a much more informed answer. Mm-hmm. But with practices being closed and the whole COVID uh, shutdown or, or whatever mm-hmm. you'd like to call it, mm-hmm. looking at the amount of snaps that each took on Saturday, I, I would still call it a toss-up. And uh-huh. they, they may go right up until saturday or sunday to probably privately name a starter Mm -hmm. i wouldn't be shocked if when monday rolls around and they issue the official press release if you see a big bold or in between Uh, andrew peasley and logan bonner's name okay and they'll keep everybody guessing the team will know because you have to have a number one guy take number one snaps through your week of yeah uh, pregame pregame practice. But a little bit of gamesmanship so, there. 
Yeah, I, I would definitely call it gamesmanship. If we went solely on who took the majority of the number one snaps on Saturday at this last scrimmage, uh-huh. it would be Andrew Peasley, to be honest. Oh, okay. he, he got the number he got the majority of the number one snaps. But that could be gamesmanship in itself. Yeah. So hey, publicly we'll we'll do this, but behind the scenes, when practices are closed, it closed, we're really doing this. Okay. So it, it's hard. It, it's it it's kind of got me at a coin flip at this point in time. Okay. And Peasley's a very mobile quarterback. Is prepping for Peasley versus prepping for Bonner going to be pretty different for teams? Absolutely. Uh, Logan Bonner is. I would call him the more accurate of the two. Okay. He's got the bigger arm. So he's definitely more of a threat in the passing game. Mm-hmm. But a- Andrew Peasley has speed that at the quarterback position that most teams just wouldn't even be able to prepare for with a practice squad. Okay. I, I mean, he's, he's that fast. Yeah. You, the only way you'd be able to appreciate how fast he is is if you saw him in person. And just watch him cut loose and just fly by everybody. Okay. So two two totally different quarterbacks. I mean, Logan Bonner rolls at 6'1 and 230 pounds. Mm -hmm. Uh, Peasley lists at 6'2 and 200 pounds. And, you know, Logan is able to put that 230 and and really put some heat on the ball. And, And he can get it to where he's going in a hurry. But... Peasley and his legs can carry that 200 pounds faster at the quarterback spot than I've ever seen. Uh-huh. So, so, I mean, I mean, he's a, he's a really fast mobile quarterback. Great. So they both bring something to the table. It's just two different skill sets. That makes sense. What are your kind of your expectations for this year? I would say if I'm going to be honest, I, I see, no less than four wins and as many as seven plus. Okay. So the, the four, I I think are, are pretty given, you know, you don't want to roll out and go to go into a game too overconfident because that's how you end up getting beat. But just based on talent level and what I would say, coaching ability of the coaching staff, I see at least four wins, potentially seven. And then you, if you want to get to eight plus, then you're looking at a couple of upsets in games that if, if we're going to talk um, point spread and favorites, you know, we're, we're going to roll into Boise, BYU and Washington state as at least double digit underdogs, probably just because there's so much unknown about, this Aggie team right now. Yeah. I'm right there with you. I think uh, I wish we didn't play North Dakota. It's I don't like playing a great FCS team this year, but I still think North Dakota, UNLV, New Mexico state and New Mexico. Agreed. Um, I think losing any of those four is, is a pretty, I mean, I don't think it's going to be hot, but I wouldn't be happy. I'd be pretty, pretty upset. Even if we just win those four, but we see clear improvement in how competitive we look. I'd be okay with this season. I obviously I don't want to just go four and eight, but that that at least is an improvement that I'd say okay, we're we're going the right direction. 
But if we lose any of those four, that's uh, I don't I don't know how uh how I'll be able to to talk myself into it next year, but <laughs> we'll we'll see. I, I always find a way. About July, I start looking at the schedule and saying, "Man, maybe." Maybe we can, uh, maybe we can win the conference, and you know, hey, that <laughs> team, we can, we can do that. And, uh, but yeah, so what do you think is our, what games do you think are most crucial this year? What are kind of the make or break games? Well, okay, so I was talking, I was talking four and seven, or four wins to possibly seven wins. So mm-hmm. we're talking, we're talking swing games. Mm-hmm. They're going to be Air Force, Colorado State, and Wyoming. Okay. The, those those are going to be our swing games. So two of those are at home. One is on the road. Air Force will be early in the season. Obviously, mm-hmm. I believe yep. that's what our third game of the year. Yep, right after uh, uh, Friday. One good thing we've got going is that early in the season we should be healthy going yeah. in. Um, we're going to need as much defensive depth as we can get, or mm-hmm. as we've got to to be able to try and slow down that that triple option yeah i really feel like we're going to be quite competitive with colorado state and wyoming they're they're coming to our place um i i think this team has a chip on its shoulder they know that they're being counted out Mm -hmm. and i think they've trained all spring and summer knowing that they were going to be the underdog just about every time they stepped on the field yeah. And they're they're going to take it personally and we've got a new attitude okay. about the locker room and some of the new additions have brought attitude with them. Good. And that's helped cultivate the competitive spirit um after last season I think a lot of the fellows were down mm-hmm. and the love of the game of football has been renewed and Good. that's going to help and so I, I personally think we're going to win several of these swing games. And, and I think we're looking closer at a six win to seven win season than we are a three to a four win season. Good. Like some of the national know-it-alls are projecting. Yeah. I've, I've noticed there's been a few of those. There's a Twitter account that I've seen. They, they tend to not know anything that they're talking about, <laughs> but this one talked about what every team's ceiling and floor is for this next year. And for Utah state, it had the ceiling of three and nine. And I just went, what, I mean, what are you, what are you looking at? Are we not looking at the same schedule that uh, the ceiling on this team is three and nine. Like I can get somebody being a hater and saying, Oh, they're going to go three and nine this year, but the ceiling of three and nine, but yeah, I, I think this year would be a good chance to prove prove some of the chatter around the nation wrong. So I guess, how do you think the nation in general and the conf? Well, we'll start with the nation. How do you think the nation views Utah State football? Um, if we're going to talk about the nation, being that we're in the Mountain West, uh, a, a G five conference, and, and honestly, coming off a lackluster season last year, only winning one of one of five games or one of six games that I, I don't expect a lot of national chatter. We didn't, we didn't really earn it. We, yeah. we took a couple of steps back the last two seasons. And so we, we don't really deserve a lot of national talk. Mm-hmm. We go in on September 4th and knock off Washington state. We, we'll have some people talking. 
get get something going then yeah yeah we'll, we'll get something going but but right now just we we haven't earned it yeah no so, i totally agree i mean plain and simple i totally agree yeah in, in a lot of my conversations i've had with people they'll have the rankings that'll have utah state ranked at you know 120 out of 130 in the nation yeah. and i'll say you know for right now i i can't argue that that's wrong it's what we were last year i think right. we'll prove them wrong but I can't say that these people are wrong for saying it until we've shown something else. Right. It's just where yeah. it is. And, and you yeah, hope that it's fire uh, under the players to, to prove them wrong and that they don't just have the attitude of, uh, yeah, we suck or whatever. Yeah. Um, you hope that it's that fire. And it's good to hear you say that, you know, you can see a love of the game coming back. So that's, that's really good. Yes. Um, so I guess my, my last question is, how did you become a fan of Utah State? Born and raised here, man. Good. Uh, my, my grandpa and Aggie, my dad and Aggie, I, I was taken to games really young by, by both of them. Um, season tickets for decades. I mean, just, just born and raised. I mean, I've, I've moved away from town a handful <laughs> of times. And I've always come back. I'm back now. I don't plan on leaving um, this time around. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I can remember going to games, basketball games as far back as, as Greg Grant, Kevin Nixon, Greg Housekeeper, um, guys like that, you know, a ways back, you know, mid, mid to early 80s basketball um football same thing um, a lot of those years you probably try and forget for football though right uh, <laughs> <laughs> well there wasn't always a ton to write home about it, yeah so to speak but you know when you love something like that you know you know you have a love of sports i grew up playing everything under the sun mm -hmm. and so when you have a love for sports it's hard to turn your back on your team. That's great. And, and so, you know, I, I've seen the good for the last, for, for really the majority of the last decade and the not so great for several decades prior. Yeah. You know, and, and those that are older than me and, and those that are my age and, and some that are just new can, can feel the, feel the pain uh -huh. <laughs> of the, 80s 90s and and the 2000s but it's really a new it's a new day um at utah state the the string of eight or nine um eight, eight of nine bowl games you know that that was unprecedented those those were great years for for aggie football and hmm. i i really feel like we have a huge opportunity with this coaching staff and the work that the strength and conditioning uh, team has put in with the players. They, ha they have a real opportunity to turn things around in a hurry. I mean, mm -hmm. th this could be a really big Cinderella story for, for throughout college football mm -hmm. for, a, for a team that's projected to only go anywhere from one to three wins to, to, go to six, seven, possibly beyond, mm -hmm. you know, if, if things go right. And that, that would, you know, when we're talking about how the nation views us, that would kind of 
that is that would create some buzz you'd start to see a show up on on some of these national shows college football live and stuff like that and and you know if we're able to create some buzz then that that's great um the coaching staff over the summer has created so much buzz that they have nearly 20 or more verbal commitments for the 2022 class i mean they're, they're if they're not completely full already they're nearly full so the coaching staff has just done an incredible job of going out and selling the program, the, the potential that this program has for, for a staff that's only been on the job since December, yeah. a, a handful of them. And as an entire staff put together since like mid January, I mean, it's just been masterful the way they've gone out and really attacked their recruiting targets. You know, they, they were told coming in, well, you're coming from the South. You won't understand Utah. You, you won't understand the mission program. You won't understand uh, how, to, how to recruit the, the local Polynesian players. Mm-hmm. And so they took that and they turned right around and tore right into Utah and tore, and tore right into the Polynesian uh, culture and, and the kids that they've recruited. And I mean, let's see, we have 11 of our 21 commits are from Utah. And, yeah. you know, when we're talking about uh, when, when the worry was, well, they don't understand the mission program. We have four kids that are going to go on missions following their graduation. And so they've go, they, you know, that's when kids can go from either 18 to 24 months if they choose to go 18, then that puts them back in time for the 2023 season. If not, chances are they're going to be pushed out to 2024 or so. I mean, all these things that the naysayers were telling them they can't do because they were perceived as outsiders, most of them, you know, with the exception of um, defensive line coach Al Lapuaho and tight end coach DJ Tialavea. And to an extent, um, running back coach, you know, Chucky Keaton. Chucky. Right? So, but but he'd never really done a lot of recruiting here, even even while he was a grad assistant here with Matt Wells for a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, you know, all these naysayers have told them, well, you're outsiders. You don't, um, you're not going to understand this. You're not going to understand that. They just took that and and just shredded it and said, oh, yeah. You're going to tell us what we can't do? Watch. Great. And then they went out and spread themselves out and got a couple of commits from Las Vegas. And they hit the Houston area. They've got a couple coming from the Miami area. And so it's just a a fantastic mix of speed, you know, coming from Texas and, and, and Florida to just, you know, brute strength with some of these offensive linemen that we've recruited. I mean, it's just, I I can't say it enough. It's just a masterful job that these, that this coaching staff has done. Man, you've got me ready for this season. I'm I'm ready. We're, we're winning. We're, this this. staff is just going to be great. I'm bought in. This is awesome. (laughs) Let's let's go. Let's Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah. I, (laughs) I cannot wait. Um, I was already excited. For this season, I'm already excited for the Washington State game. I think it's one that 
if if the cards fall right, we can we can at least look good and you know kind of get some people's attention. If not, uh, go steal a win. But yeah, yeah, we're, we're mean, due to get one of these. We, we have to. We've had such bad luck with the road P five games. Right. It, it might just be the universe balancing things out to say, hey, <laughs> we'll give you this one. But but we'll see. It's definitely one that is. Uh, available we'll we'll say that so yeah but yeah awesome brian i really appreciate having you on this has just been great thank I you appreciate so much the opportunity i appreciate that opportunity thank you very much awesome all right thank you for listening that was a great discussion with brian i am actually recording this a couple days later and i am still riding that high i'm so excited about how utah state looks brian has some great insight into how the coaches have kind of put some life back in this program. Go Aggies. Let's go. Let's go beat Wazoo. Thank you. You can catch our other episodes that are currently up on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere that you get your podcasts. Thank you.